0: Welcome to the 25th episode of Stepets. I'm Minakshi Mahesh, your host for today. From this episode on, we bring to you another interesting segment where we interview some of the most renowned ophthalmologists across the country and the world. They will be talking about their experiences, discuss clinical conditions and will give us an insight into ophthalmology practice in different regions. For our first interview, we have the dynamic neuroophthalmologist Dr. Rashman Gandhi, sir, with us. He holds an FRCS from both Glasgow and Edinburgh and has been trained in ophthalmology from the Johns Hopkins University, USA. He was instrumental in setting up the Mobile Eye Surgical Unit for Shankar Netralya in unison with IIT Madras. He has led teams to organize and conduct outreach programs in Zambia, Kenya and Botswana. He has many awards to his credit like the Anantashayana Memorial Award from the Governor of Tamil Nadu, the Young Super Achiever Award from Tamil Nadu, and has been credited for his academic excellence by the Chief Minister of Gujarat. He needs no introduction to most and is an avid teacher in multiple postgraduate and fellow training sessions. Thank you so much for being with us, sir. Over to you.
1: Thank you, Team Snippets, for this kind invitation. Today's point of discussion is approach to a patient with disc edema. First step when you see a patient with disc edema is to differentiate true discidema from pseudodiscidema what conditions can cause or mimic pseudodiscidema high hyperopia uh, the patients can have congenitally anomalous disc high myopia when there is an oblique insertion of the optic disc with blurring of the nasal margin drusen on the surface of the optic disc or buried drusen Myelinated nerve fiber. These are some of the causes which can produce an impression that the optic disc is elevated, or causing pseudo edema. How do you differentiate pseudo edema from true disc edema just by fundus examination? One, the appearance of the disc. Pseudo edema generally the disc will appear small with a small cup or no cup find that there is an anomalous branching of the vessels, there will be absence of hemorrhages and heart exudates or cottonwood spots and you will be able to see the blood vessels, the medium sized and small blood vessels on the surface of the optic disc clearly. This is as opposed to in true disc edema where those blood vessels on the surface will be blurred because of the presence of true exonal swelling. Now if you see if you suspect a patient having how would you confirm it apart from clinical examination the optic nerve function tests namely visual acuity pupillary evaluation color vision tests and visual field examination will give you a clue in most instances pseudodiskeridema will not produce optic nerve dysfunction you may see a minimal or trivial visual field effects. Sometimes it can produce enlarged blind spot, and pseudoexudema or buried drusen can cause AI But in majority of instances, pseudoexudema will not produce optic nerve dysfunction, and that will be a major clue. The investigations like ultrasound B scan will show an hyperechoic spot because of calcium. Same will be seen on CT scan and you'll also find autofluorescence on fundus fluorescent angiography. Now, if you say that patient has true disc the second question is, is it unilateral or bilateral? Unilateral true disc would be seen in optic neuropathies. The commonest causes are non-arthritic anti-ischemic optic neuropathy, optic neuritis, one can rarely see infiltrated optic neuropathy or even compressive optic neuropathy coming to you with unilateral disc edema. How do you differentiate? What next steps would you take to differentiate between these optic neuropathies? The patient profile and clinical examination would be of big help in two most commonest form of optic neuropathies which can come to you with disc edema that is NAION and optic neuritis NAION is generally seen in patients about the age of 40 we'll find patient having vasculopathic risk factors clinical examination will reveal that patient would have in most instances mild to moderate visual impairment we'll find that color vision impairment would be in proportionate with the loss of Snellen visual acuity. An examination will reveal small disc with a small cup, and in many instances you'll find a hemorrhage on the surface of the optic disc. You'll find that the other eye also has a small disc with a small cup. What is described as disc at risk. The commonest visual field defect in nonarteritic anterior ischemic neuropathy is an altitudinal defect. Contrast it to optic neuritis, which is generally a disease of patients below the age of 30, though the entities like neuromyelitis optica or anti-MOG, antibody-related optic neuritis, can be seen in somebody who is older. Patient will complain of pain. The visual activity can range from no PL to 6 by 6. The dyschromatopsia, the color vision loss would be out of proportion to the Snellens visual equity loss. Patient can have 6 6 vision, but a marked reduction in color vision equity. The visual field defects can range from generalized reduction of sensitivity to central scotoma to even altitudinal visual field defect. The examination of the other eye may reveal either a normal disc or even a pale disc in cases who had had subclinical or clinical optic neuritis in the other eye. The next set of investigation or the next step would be to request for MRI brain and orbit with contrast with fat suppression. What you're looking for is an hyper intense lesion along the optic nerve and then depending upon the neurological association also, in areas of the brain. The other causes of optic neuropathy which can present to you with disc edema can be LHON, which is generally seen in young males with acute or subacute loss of vision. You may find a telinjected blood vessel on the surface of the disc in patients with LHON. The patient can have sequential loss of vision. It is generally seen in males it is very rare for female to present with a full blown lhon clinical spectrum infiltrative optic neuropathy can also produce a disc edema wherein in most instances there'll be angry looking disc you may find presence of hemorrhages and hard exudates mri picture will clinch the diagnosis of infiltrative optic neuropathy one has to remember that life-threatening conditions like leukemia can present with infiltrative optic neuropathy. Compressive optic neuropathy can also produce disc edema and the diagnosis will be confirmed by MRI scan. Looking at the appearance of optic disc, it's rare to differentiate between compressive optic neuropathy from the other causes though one has to remember that if The optic nerve is compressed very close to the globe. One may find other features like choroidal folds. Bilateral disc edema is much more commonly seen in raised intracranial pressure. So the the definitions are: papilloedema is bilateral or rarely unilateral disc edema because of raised ICP. We should not be using the term papilledema loosely to describe all disc edemas. Now, if you find bilateral disc edema, how do we proceed? First and foremost is to rule out raised intracranial pressure. In the history, one would ask for history of headache, history of transient visual obscurations or TVOs. TVOs in acute papilledema generally last for a few seconds. It is described as browning out of vision, and patient would report the TVOs, especially when he gets up from supine position. It is related to postural change. Other important symptom is tinnitus, described as whooshing sound in the ear. The examination would reveal bilateral dyskydema. The diagnosis is confirmed. Or the first step is to rule out space-occupying lesion. So if you see a patient with suspected papilledema and who has never had neuroimaging, then it is an emergency. The first step is to rule out space-occupying lesion because space-occupying lesion producing raised ICP can cause brainstem herniation, which is fatal. The diagnosis, the investigation of choice is MRI brain in orbit. One may also alert The radiologist that you are suspecting raised ICP so that MRV also can be done in the suitable patients to rule out venous sinus thrombosis. The diagnosis is confirmed by lumbar puncture and to note opening pressure and also to evaluate the cerebrospinal fluid for the presence of proteins and other biochemical markers. The treatment for raised ICP is weight reduction, acetazolamide. And surgical treatment when appropriate. One must also check blood pressure in patients with bilateral edema. Malignant hypertension can come to you with bilateral dyskedema. You will find attenuation of arterioles and peripheral retinal signs, which would be missing in uh, bilateral edema because of raised ICP. So, one need to remember that raised ICP will cause signs which are generally close to the disc. While malignant hypertension will, co- will produce signs which are also away from the discs. Apart from these common causes, one should also remember that uveitis can present to you with unilateral or bilateral disc edema. So look at presence of antechamber chamber and vitreous cells very carefully. Look at the blood vessels to have uh, to rule out vasculitis. Intermediate uveitis and signs of other posterior uveitis. Hypotony can also produce unilateral disc edema. So a meticulous examination of the anterior segment is also mandatory in all patients with disc edema. So to summarize, disc edema can be the first sign of optic neuropathy or can be a sign of raised intracranial pressure or blood pressure history, clinical examination of the optic disc and appropriate testing would help you to rule out various causes of true disc edema. Role of OCT is under scanner in patients with disc edema. OCT has been reported to be able to differentiate between pseudo-disc edema and a true disc edema though In many instances, one would require the other adjuvant investigations to differentiate between the two. To final word, always have a meticulous examination of the disc when you see a patient with disc edema. However, history taking as in all cases of neurophthalmology and appropriate clinical examination and investigation would help you to differentiate the causes. Thank you once again.
0: Thank you so much for that wonderful talk, sir. We're sure our listeners would have thoroughly enjoyed it. That's it for this episode. Please tune in next week for another interesting one. Don't forget to fill up our feedback form and also do subscribe to Snippets on various platforms.